Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to The Shit Show. Good everyone and welcome to another episode of The Shit Show. You might be a little bit confused because we've been away and now we're kind of back, but I don't really know what to tell you. We are kind of back. Today is a very important episode. It's all about David Dobrik and the recent and very serious rape allegations against Dom Zeglidis from The Vlog Squad And just about how there's been some really fucked up power dynamics at play. We're going to explain who the vlog squad are in a moment and what all of this says about the way we consume and idolize content creators and how this is all changing. So first of all, I want to make it known that one, I have done all the research for this. So Liv is here for me to explain two. I've consumed a little bit of media around it, not in terms of researching for this episode. So Lucy is going to explain it to me properly, which I'm really excited for because I found it really hard to get to grips with. Mm, And a lot of people have been, but it's a really important thing that we need to talk about because it says so much about the influencer economy, the creator economy, and just all this weird... The weird internet shit that we're kind of involved in. And it's just something that's really important for us to talk about. We also do want to make it known first, straight off the bat, that we believe and support any victims of sexual assault, any survivors who might be listening. And we really want this to be a content warning. We will be detailing the allegations and what the woman who's come forward against Dom from the vlog squad actually went through. So if at any point you need to stop, that's absolutely fine. We know that this is a very heavy topic and... We're in no way defending these actions at all. We are just explaining what happened. I want to start off by saying that this isn't a scandal. Like, this is a serious crime. This is an issue, and I really think when people say it's a scandal or it's an expose or whatever, it's it's not. It's a crime. Yeah, that's really lightening the subject matter, it which is. we do not want to do here. No. So this is all about power imbalances and the normalization of YouTubers or influencers getting shit wrong, but their career never being impacted, or why people have been so scared to talk about David Dobrik and the machine that is the vlog squad. There's some really important things that we need to touch on. And it's so much more than just a scandal. So I think we should start from the very start, Liv. I think we should talk about who David Dobrik is. Because a lot of people don't know. So David Dobrik became famous through Vine. Through Vine. So he is now 24. He is known for posting on YouTube these vlogs that are 4 minutes and 20 seconds. Sorry, but I just cannot believe he's 24. Like, he seems to have been around for fucking decades. I mean... Anyone that's our age or younger, I'd say, knows who David Dobrik is. He is one of the most 
famous YouTubers, creators, whatever you want to call him. Of he's our like time. an he's an OG. He is. He's an OG. He's gained almost 19 million subscribers since joining YouTube in 2015. And what's interesting about David Dobrik is he seems to have traversed from being an influencer YouTuber to being an actual fucking celebrity. celebrity. The Wall Street Journal just said that he is Gen Z's Jimmy Fallon. He really wants to be a late night talk show host. He's won Kids Choice Awards, Teen Choice Awards. He's been on Disney Channel, on Discovery Channel. You know, he has traversed from being a creator Mm. to being what we know as a traditional celebrity. I think it's so interesting because what we consider a celebrity now is so, so different. We grew up with Hannah Montana, Selena Gomez, whereas people are now growing up with the D'Amelio sisters. Yeah, people that are forced to show every single part of their lives. Yes, the private and the public. public. The spheres are just... They've just blurred. So David is one of the biggest examples of that. He is known for being very giving. He's known Mm. for giving away Teslas, for being funded by brands to give away these big extravagant prizes. He's also known for giving money away to his hometown friends. He looks after his hometown friends. He's been known as a very generous... Just like strangers on the street as well. eh? Yeah. Like he just, in his vlogs, goes down... Hands them out cash, yeah. hands them out new laptops, whatever. It's what he's known for. He's very generous. And brands have really tapped into that and they love or loved being associated with him. He was also known as like the YouTube golden boy. He had done no wrong. Him and the vlog squad were just seemingly untouchable. I mean, like he has a baby face and I think yeah. it really works in his favor. It really does. He's the sort of approachable nice boy of the internet. Exactly. So you might be wondering, who are the vlog squad? Like, what is the vlog squad? Yeah, because how did the vlog squad come together? Were they viners? Yes. So a lot of them were viners. The vlog squad is like David's group of friends. It's like his his posse, and it's kind of been assembled by Dobrik. It's like a group of creators slash friends that all get together and make content together. Mm. But like, you're winning if you're in one of David's vlogs. That's the goal. If you're in the vlog squad, you want to be in David's vlogs. So you want to do the craziest shit possible to get your airtime. Exactly. So David basically does all these comedic skits or just really crazy shit, and he gets his friends to be involved and to do it, and they will say yes because they want their platforms to grow. Because if you're in one of David's vlogs and you're part of the vlog squad, by association, your platform's going to grow because everyone mm. wants to be in David's vlogs. And they're so extreme. Like, they are very... That's got- what draws people to his vlogs is the fact that they are like crashing cars they're setting shit on fire literally like the most giving away teslas crazy stuff that you can imagine exactly but i think with the vlog squad it kind of operates like a toxic workplace you're scared to say no because you'll stop being put in videos and then your platform is going to be fucked and so your career is going to suffer if you say no to doing this crazy shit there's so many implications with being in these vlogs and yeah you've got a lot to lose I guess if you're a part of the vlog squad and you're not getting airtime exactly so that I think the risk of being excluded from the vlogs is what makes people stay silent and say yes mm. to doing things that usually they wouldn't say yes to 
Now, another part of the whole vlog squad machine is that for a lot of these bits that they do, they need extras. And so everyone wants to be in the vlogs. They are the most famous things on YouTube. And so if you get a message or a text or you reply to some Instagram call out for extras for the vlog squad, you want to do it. You want to be in it. So extras are a big part of it as well. And, and the thing is with extras, it's not a paid thing. It's just like you want to be part of it. So you'll say yes. It's probably helpful as well if we mention some of the members of the vlog squad. So there's a guy called Todd, a guy called Jeff, Natalie, who is David's assistant, but has become kind of an influencer of her own right. And then, Lewis, was there all of that drama with David Dobrik and Natalie? Are they a thing? Aren't they a thing? Yeah, so Natalie's actually dating Todd. Oh. Yeah, so they're not a thing, but they definitely played that and up to the cameras. Todd was dating the blonde girl? Yeah, Corinna, who was a member. So lots of members have come in and out. There's also Dom Zaglidis, who we're going to really focus focus on because he's the one that the allegations have been made against. He is known as Dirty Dom and he was portrayed as a sex addict, as a pest, as a predator, like in the vlogs, as mm. if it was funny, but he actually is one. Jason Nash is a really prominent member. He's like David's best friend. They do the Views podcast together. And he was the one that used to be married to Trisha Paytas. They were never married. Oh, they weren't married. No. Jason dated someone called Trisha Paytas, who has actually been one of the few people that has spoken out about David Dobrik quite heavily, and she has helped to bring this all to light. Trisha Paytas is interesting because she's not without her own controversy and problems, but when she and Jason broke up, she spoke out against the vlog squad and the toxicity of it, and no one took her seriously, mm. and she continued to speak out, and then she teamed up with Ethan Klein from Frenemies, which is like a podcast, and they've been doing the work on exposing the vlog squad and David Dobrik in some of the toxic ways. So, yes, Trisha Paytas has a whole podcast on her own. Like, we could fucking go for days about her. Everyone She's, should see her latest music video. It yes. Is I love you, Moses. Quite great content. It's great content. So she has been a really big player in getting all of this out. So we can't discredit that. Before we actually get into why we are sitting down here today and all the fallout that has come from these rape allegations, I think it is important that we say that people have come out against the vlog squad and David Dobrik before. They've just largely been silenced or dealt with in private or videos have been deleted. But this isn't the first time we've heard about this toxicity. It's just the first time that it's gotten real airtime. Why is it coming up now? I think everyone's kind of wondering why now? Why has it taken this long? It's because a woman named Kat Tenbarge, who works for the Business Insider, has been approached by a woman who we'll call Hannah because she's anonymous in the article and they called her Hannah. Business Insider was approached by her and they corroborated her story about being sexually assaulted by Dom from the vlog squad and they actually published it and I guess they weren't scared to call out David Dobrik and the machine, which is a terrifying feat. Yeah, is terrifying. David Dobrik is worth multi multi millions he would have the best lawyers you and know it's not just going up against one person it's going up against this huge group of very powerful people in the industry exactly so this woman called hannah says that she was raped 
by Dom's Aglitis, aka Dirty Dom, during one of David Dobrik's video shoots. This could be quite triggering for some people, so if you don't want to listen, I'd say stop here and either fast forward or just stop listening because it gets a bit heavy. So in 2018, Hannah was an extra in one of these vlogs. She went with a group of friends to an apartment to film with the vlog squad. She was 20 at the time, and she says that she got so drunk from alcohol that was supplied by Vlog Squad members. We aren't entirely sure who. Trisha Paytas has said it was Jeff, and one of Hannah's friends has said it was Todd. So it was one of the Vlog Squad so members. They were all drinking, and they were getting these girls drunk. Getting these girls drunk. Hannah said that she got so drunk from the alcohol that she couldn't consent to sex. So now a lot of what I'm going to say now is just quoted from the Business Insider article that I will link in the show notes because it's a really good piece of reporting. Earlier that day, some of the students had begun chatting over Instagram with Dirty Dom. Dom said he wanted to hook up with them, according to DMs uh, that the Business Insider got to read from Hannah. They said, the sexy stuff won't be in the vlog, right? And Dom said, I might need to take a pic just to show Dave so he believes me. Ha ha. So that's kind of the tone. Like it was all a bit of a joke, even though they had already expressed a little bit of concern about it not being in the vlogs. And that's him being like, oh, but I want all of this hectic content to be seen because I want to be part of this vlog and I want to gain popularity and I don't mind being portrayed as a sex addict or predator or whatever because it's going to get you popularity and because you are one like what the fuck does that say about what society thinks at the time I know that people follow him for that I know so Hannah and her friend Sarah who drove everyone to the apartment told Insider that they never intended to have group sex with Dom and this hesitance you can see in the vlog after a couple minutes of talking, it was clear there was no fivesome happening tonight. You called it. Yeah. Oh, well. You guys want to watch me and Trisha have sex? <laughs> Bye. I'm down. But by some stroke of luck and master negotiating, Dom made progress. So that whole night, Dom had been a real creep to her. He asked her if they could go and talk. She agreed, he kind of led her into a pitch black bedroom and blocked the exit and then started to ask why she didn't like him, why she wouldn't date him and then asked if they could hook up and she said no and then he said, no, you at least have to give me a kiss and Hannah said she was getting really scared because he wasn't letting her leave. Her friends were in a totally different part of the house and then she thought, what happens if I keep saying no? So she gave him a kiss. So then she returned to where her friends were sitting and a couple of members of the vlog squad returned with a bottle of dark coloured liquor. They were all drinking and as Hannah got more and more drunk, Dom took her and her friend, who we're going to call Audrey, to the bedroom. Once Hannah and Audrey were in the bedroom with Dom, Sarah, the third friend that was there, said that the other members of the vlog squad started trying to listen in to what was happening in the bedroom. Some of them, and this is on the video, even opened the door to look at what was happening. Yeah, I remember seeing that on the video, him like peeking in. We just need to get in there and do a head count for the vlog. Okay, yeah. Okay, all right. We got we got three in there. Jonah's gonna peek in so he can describe it to me. Oh, oh my god. Oh my god, I can't look in there. Oh, we have to leave the apartment. How do you know 
Tony just like listening to this. I opened the door and I was like, wow, they look kind of good. Holy shit. It smells like someone was murdered in here. Dom. <laughs> What's up, dude? <laughs> you are sweating like a racehorse. Was that your first threesome? Yeah, thanks, baby. Sarah said that Dom actually locked the door to the bedroom at one point because the Vlog Squad members kept trying to get in and that's pretty fucking terrifying for those girls in there dom and audrey the other friend came out of the room first and that sarah went in there to find hannah lying limp on the bed sarah said she was immediately concerned and that she remembered hannah tugging on her ear asking where her earring was hannah said that she doesn't remember having sex with dom and that audrey said that dom performed sexual acts on hannah that were penetrative audrey also said that Hannah kept losing consciousness and that Audrey took over so that Dom would stop. Took over as in like... As in was protecting her friend and... Started having sex with Dom. So that he would stop. Holy shit. I mean, that's what we can allege from this article. Yeah. So afterwards, Hannah was just left there on the bed, too drunk to dress herself, so her friends... Like, helped her up, took her back to her college dorm. The next morning, she woke up still drunk. And when she looked at her phone, she saw a text conversation with Dom and photos from the night before. She had texted him saying, anything at your discretion is okay for the vlog and maybe not anything that a future employer could use against me. She said that to Dom. She said that to Dom. She couldn't remember what had happened. She was still drunk the next morning when she woke up as we all often are when we've had a big night. And so she woke up and saw these texts as if she hadn't sent them. Mm. So then the vlog came out and it was titled, She Should Not Have Played With Fire. At the end of the vlog, they say we could all go to jail and kind of laugh about it. Dom just had a threesome and I think we're all going to jail. <laughs> oh man. So the video was up for a few months and Hannah was kind of trying to come to terms with what had happened to her that night because obviously it's trauma and you don't know how you feel about it fully until you've had time to think about it and unpack absolutely that shit can take years That's, but she kind of she realized that it was fucked up and she sent dom a really long text message about how she had been taken advantage of how she wanted the vlog deleted and he said i respect your wishes the video's down can you see their faces in the vlog. In the vlog. Yeah. Because it was consensual at the time to be for them to be in the for vlog. The sex the wasn't consensual, but it was consensual for them to be in the vlog. So the video has been deleted, but it got five million views before it was deleted. Like you can't delete that from people's minds. No. So the fact that it was deleted is kind of irrelevant. It's kind of null and void because yeah. the damage has been done. The damage has totally been done. And so an interesting part of this whole story is that Hannah looked into the laws in California about rape and she decided mm. not to press charges because when you're drunk and, you know, there's not many people there that can the fight for you. The justice system is not in your favour. No, it's not in your favour. And so she isn't pressing charges even though this is a fucking criminal offence, which is because why... Because she's going to have to relive that trauma over and over and over again in front of the court. So, yeah. like, who the fuck actually wants to do that? No, and especially not when you're coming up against people like this which you shouldn't be scared of and it shouldn't stop you from speaking your truth and I'm really proud that Hannah came out and did this article with Kat yeah at least she sort of found another way to get some sort of compensation yeah even though David himself wasn't the person who the rape case was against 
He was the one who gave it the platform. He was the one that created this culture that this was the sort of content that people wanted to watch. Wanted like, to watch. How was this not like, holy shit, we can never show this to the world because we'll be severely implicated. That is mind-blowing. It's because everyone, probably me included, is oh. groomed to just want this content and accept this content and see it as a norm. Off the back of this story coming out, David has released a few apology videos and this is the next part of this conversation that I think we need to dive into because there is a template for apology videos on YouTube. Pretty much every YouTuber these days has had to do an apology video and that is because they film so much of their lives that of course there are things that are going to happen that they need to apologize for. So do you mean that there is a literal template that their PR team Well is that's using? my theory because every single YouTuber is in the studio alone. They're wearing something black. There's no makeup. They're kind of teary-eyed and look like they haven't slept. Mm. So yes, there is a template that they subscribe to and David was no different. So he released his first video, which was not well received at all. Because it was the shittest video ever. Yeah, it was really not authentic. He released it on his podcast channel Views, which only has around a million followers Instead of uploading it to his main channel, which has 18.5 million, or even his second channel, which has 8.6 million. It's like he didn't want people to see him apologizing. It's like he didn't think it was a big enough issue to put it on his main channel. And also, because people still only apologize when something is out in the public. They don't do it off their own bat. So he was still trying to keep this a little bit undercover. It's the whole thing of like, if you apologize for it, it's gonna bring more people's attention to it. You brought five million people's attention to a sexual assault. Exactly. So you should be bringing fucking 18.5 or whatever your massive following is to your apology for that. I'll put some sound bites of what he said in it here. Hey guys, it's David. Um, I wanna come on here real quick and address some conversations that have been going on on the internet. Um, I, you know, I've made over 600 videos and I've made a bunch of TikToks, Vines, Instagram stories, tweets, the whole thing. Um, and I'm obsessed with what I do. I love being able to make people happy for a living. And that's all that I want to do. Um, that being said, consent is something that's super, super important to me, whether I'm shooting with a friend or shooting with a stranger, I always make sure that whatever the video I'm putting out, I have the approval from that person. Um, and I also acknowledge that there's times where a person can change their mind and they decide that they no longer want to be associated and no longer want to be in the video that I'm putting up and then I'll take the video down. And there's also been moments where I've looked back on videos and I realized that these don't represent me anymore and they're hurtful to other people and I don't, I don't want them up because I've, I've grown you know, as a content creator and as a person, and I don't agree with some of the videos I've posted. And with, with people in my life that I don't film with anymore, um, like Dom and, you know, the other people that I no longer film with, I, I chose to distance myself because I don't align with some of the actions and I don't, I don't stand for any kind of misconduct. And I, I'm, I was just, I've been really disappointed by some of my friends. And for that reason, I've separated from a lot of them. Um, I think 
with any video I make, my main purpose is to make people happy and, and inspire people. And I just, I never want anything to get in the way of that. And I'm sorry if I've let you down and things like that won't happen again. And I learned from my mistakes. Um, and I also believe that actions speak a lot louder than words. And, you know, you can take my word for it that I'm going to change, but I'll also show you and I'll prove to you that, you know, the mistakes I made before won't be happening again. Um, but, yeah, that's it. All right. I love you guys. I'll see you later. I mean, yeah, he said that he has distanced himself from Dom. And to be fair to David, before all of this came out, there had been, like, years that Dom hadn't been in the videos mm. because David didn't align or agree with how he acted, even though there was a time where he perpetuated that. So Dom hadn't been in any of the recent vlogs, but, I mean, that's a minuscule part of this whole fucking situation. The whole, the first video really, really sucked. Yeah, it was like he was doing like an MTV interview thing. Like yeah, one of he even trash... held a microphone. Yeah. That's not usually part of the template. That oh, was no, and that was not good. The scripted element of it was yeah. so fucking obvious. It was very scripted. So then David, about a week later, released a second video apologizing. Apologizing mm. first for the first video, and then second, apologizing quite authentically for basically all of his fuck ups and the culture that he says he didn't know that he allowed to happen, but I don't really buy that. The vlog squad was fucking huge. You know the power that it has. You know how famous you are. Do you think it shows that he doesn't have people in his team that is that are holding him accountable to the content in his vlogs? I think it shows that he was surrounded by a lot of enablers and a lot of mm. yes men or yes women. Yeah. Absolutely. That would just... And this apology video, the second one, was on his main channel. It was on his main channel. And it was a lot better and a lot more authentic. I mean, he... He did real. He did apologize like properly. He did kind of cry. Yeah. I was doing all this stuff and I was making all this content. Wow, there was people that were still really hurt by what I made. But it was a good apology video. Really fucked up that we even have to have categories of good and bad apology videos. Yeah. One of the things that he did say in this video, I want us to focus on for a little bit. He said. What, what I understand now, and I didn't understand before, is that she sent that text because she felt like she had to, not because she wanted to. And that's fucked up, and I'm sorry. I was completely disconnected from the fact that when people were invited to film videos with us, especially videos that relied on shock for views or whatever it was, that I was creating an unfair power dynamic. I did not know this before. People felt like they had to be silent for the sake of my video. And that's not right, and it's fucked up, and I'm sorry. Now, this is showing that he at least is acknowledging the fucking, the grooming and the idolization that came into play here. In the Business Insider article, Hannah actually said, I immediately felt really uncomfortable because I was under the impression that we were gonna meet these cool creators, we were gonna hang out, and we were gonna film something. It was very much an environment where it felt like saying no was not okay. Mm. It felt like the moment we came, there was an expectation that they were doing us a favor and we had to give them content. They were verbally like, why aren't you guys being fun? 
do something sort of sexy. Here's this power imbalance mm. and the one that David Dobrik, yes, he's not the perpetrator, but this is the culture that he allowed to happen. Consent is irrelevant when people feel like they're forced to give it. I mean, people should never be expected to be sexy. And would they fucking say that to a group of guys? No. No, they wouldn't. And and yeah, you shouldn't be expected to consent because you feel uncomfortable as well. That's pretty much the opposite of what consent means. It's meant to be you saying yes because you want to say yes. I mean, a lot of David's viewers are young and impressionable. And when I started watching him, I too was young and impressionable. And when I was watching this apology video, I really had to fight the part of me that wanted to stand up for David Dobrik because I too have been part of this culture. Oh, he has such a loyal fan base. Yeah. And he has been seen as so unproblematic. And looking back, there are so, so, so many problematic things in his videos, but it must just be in comparison to the other people that we're watching, this guy's like squeaky clean. What the hell? It's really weird because you can now... With hindsight, which is a beautiful thing, watch mm. back on all of his old videos or old podcasts and, like, nothing would fly. Nothing would fly. What flew three years ago absolutely does not fly in 2021. No. Some of my other takeaways from this apology video, this is interesting for the actual economy of creators, is that one of the big things that David said was that he wants to take a step back He wants to get some infrastructure in place like HR and people that will hold him accountable before things go online. I'm going to take a short break from all the social media stuff because I realize there's a serious lack of infrastructure when I make any kind of content. And I want to be able to have a place of checks and balances. I want to have HR and I want to be able um, to have people communicate discomfort in a way that's that's comfortable to them and where, where they don't feel like their emotions or what they're doing or, or how they're acting is compromised. But I think that all influencers, they're a business and they should be held, they should have this infrastructure how around they, them. How has he not had this infrastructure after 20 million followers? But that's what I mean. Influencers don't have this. YouTubers don't have this. But I think this is showing a change. And that's not necessarily his fault that he doesn't have this because there's just no ex- good examples. That, well, that's what I mean. It's no one's taken this seriously as a business. But yeah. you, this hopefully will make other creators know that like they need lawyers they need hr people they they need need to be protected and they need to protect the people working for them yeah exactly so i thought that was actually quite an interesting takeaway for the actual you know creator economy Mm. and then just another thing from the apology video it made me think about whether as creators and even us in our position with shit you should care about is it our responsibility to predict the future and what is gonna be okay in the future. I'm not in any way, shape or form saying what he did was ever okay, but the society of 2018 or the society of 2016 was so different to society today. And does that mean we can go back into the archives of everything that everyone has done, take it out of context and uphold it to our values now? Like, this is a huge question. This is the huge cancel culture conundrum. Because of the context, because of the needing to take so many nuanced things into account. We do believe in holding people to account, 
but we also do believe the fact that everyone has a past that in that context, what they said was deemed okay. Was deemed okay. Whether it was actually okay or not, it was deemed okay by the forces of society. Yeah. I know, and it's really interesting because obviously there are some things that are just dead set fucking crimes, like what we're talking about now. And there are some things that are never okay and will never be okay. But when we're talking about the language that we used to use or... Or the cultural appropriation that used to happen. And the fact that because of our age, all of that's documented in a way that it never was before. So there's now receipts for everything that everyone did. And a lot of the time we just did not know any better. I know. And that, again, we're not saying that applies to this situation whatsoever, but I think as a whole, we need to think about creators and we need to think about people in this creator economy, which I know is annoying that I keep saying, but should they be expected to predict 10 years in the future? Because would that not just stop us all from doing everything all of the time? Would it not just stop us from saying or doing everything? Imagine life in 10 years' time. We have absolutely no fucking clue what is going to be okay and what's going to not be okay, even though theoretically we absolutely should know. I know. And even though we're very tuned into it, we are very careful and conscious. We're the most careful and conscious people right now doing what we're doing, Mm. but we can't predict the future and we will fuck up. I know we will. We will probably look back at things that we posted a year ago and be like, what the fuck was I thinking? That's not all good. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, that's just a big thing that I've been thinking about. I do want us to talk about repercussions because mm. this is interesting. Will there be any real life implications or repercussions on David Dobrik's career? I think first of all, we'll get the monetary shit out of the way for a second before we talk about his personal brand, which is actually more interesting. So as of recording this episode, David has been dropped by a lot of his sponsors like SeatGeek, Chipotle, EA Sports, who gave him cars to give away. Mm. SeatGeek gave him all the fucking Teslas to give away. DoorDash, Dollar Shave Club. YouTube has even come out and demonetized his videos and Dom's videos temporarily, which YouTube doesn't often come in and take a stand, especially not against golden boy David Dobrik. Mm. But they had a responsibility, and I think that's the right thing to do. David has also been forced to step down, or when I say been forced, he's decided to step down from the app he co-founded and launched in quarantine called Dispo. Dispo is like Instagram, but you have to wait for 24 hours for your disposable camera-esque photos to pop up oh, right. they've just finished their first round of raising capital and big investors that have invested in the app have actually stepped away and said that they won't be making any income from this app and they've really distanced themselves which is actually really unheard of because usually these two spheres are very separate kind of venture capitalists and influencers and what they do in their personal lives are usually separate. stays in their personal lives. But now we're seeing this big rise in like YouTubers and creators wanting to get into this VC venture capital world. Even Jake Paul's just launched a fund. Like there's all this weird merging of the worlds and the fact that David Dobrik's personal life has affected an app that he raised investment for is really interesting. It sounds nerdy, but it's interesting. No, but it is interesting because it says a lot about society right now and how much we take into account people's 
private lives. I know. You can no longer be good at what you do as a job and be a shit person. No. So in terms of David's personal brand, I don't know how much of a difference this whole story is going to have on his career. Because again, it feels like YouTubers have a formula. They have a huge platform and they publicize a lot of their life, sometimes all of their life. And then at some point or another, they fuck up and then they have to apologize. Mm. So they film a video apologizing. They stay silent for a while and then they come back. They always come back and talk about how they're going to do better. And so I just want us to all think about Logan Paul for a second. So for those that don't know, Logan Paul is a fucking huge YouTube creator He went to Japan a few years ago and filmed a literal dead body in a Japanese suicide forest. And he faced huge, like the biggest fallout we've ever seen, of course, because this is something that you couldn't imagine anyone fucking ever doing or thinking it was okay. He took some time off. He came back and now his platform has been catapulted into this huge platform bigger than we could ever imagine he's thrived off the back of this disgusting thing that he did it's like the hyperbolization of no press is bad press it is but and we are the ones that allow these platforms to come back even by us doing this podcast i know i know and we need to at least have smart conversations about what critically think about these things the horrible thing is that because we're so used to seeing people fuck up and then apologize and it's such a huge part of the youtube culture that we love and that we consume we start to equate all these apologies or misdeeds as having the same impact Mm. despite the fact that many of these misdeeds are actually crimes now i want to quote rebecca jennings from vox right now because she put this much better than i can she said These kinds of quasi-cancellations happen on an almost daily basis. And one thing I've noticed more of is that the more people who get cancelled, the less meaning any of these supposed cancellations have. What we lose then is the magnitude of their misdeeds. A YouTuber having an offensive joke a decade ago shouldn't rise to the same level as, say, soliciting minors for sex, but we'll still be talking about them in the same breath. It's like you see two YouTube videos side by side. One of them's for a word and one of them's for sexual assault. And because we're so used to consuming them together, we are going to allow both of these creators to come back from it as if they'd both just said a bad word. Do you know what I mean? That's such a good point. And that is really scary because then that's on us to decide what is actually cancelable and what is you know should come back from come back from a bull it shouldn't be up to us but then who the fuck's it up to because we're all our free agents and we all love free speech and you know we'll Mm. we'll have it when it works for us but when we have to make these hard decisions it's like why is it up to us to decide because david dobrik has so many people that love him Mm -hmm. i almost feel like no matter what he did he will come back So do I. And pretty much most creators that have to go through the cycle of fucking up, apologizing, taking time off and coming back, 
come back stronger than ever. I mean, James Charles, who we're not even going to dive into, mm. has had so many allegations against him. Allegation and he after keeps, allegation. He keeps coming back. And I, I don't have the answers. The only thing that I can kind of propose is that we follow these YouTubers for the dramas and the scandals. And so when they go through, it's just like a big version of the content they film like their own scandal it's just like this big version of we love it as long as the subscribers are being entertained we just keep them having their platforms how many views did the apology video get probably way more than his normal videos exactly no that's the thing they always do it's fucking insane so i really think that david dobrik yes he'll take some time off and he probably will do some really good redemption shit. Like, he will probably get... And people should have space to learn from their mistakes. And I think because he wasn't actually the one that... Committed the crime. Committed the crime. There is more space for him to be allowed to grow. As long as he proves and helps other people do better. Because he is such an influential person in the creator economy that if he can set a new precedent of how to get consent, how to go through HR you know, all of this stuff, and he can teach other people to do it. He could really turn this into something useful for society. Yeah. I think we should probably end by saying, what the fuck is happening to Dom amidst all of this? He's been, like, sidelined. Because I even tried to do some research on what's happening to him now. Mm. Like, no one was talking about what the fuck's happening to Dom. And that just shows why David Dobrik is so implicated, because no one actually gives a fuck about Dom. They only care about David. No, I know. And so, yeah, I can't answer what's happening to Dom, because Hannah didn't press charges, and he has just gone silent. (gasps) So, love, how are you feeling after this chat? I'm feeling a bit stressed. Me too. Because I don't know whether to consume David Dobrik from now. I don't know. I mean, you don't have to worry about that because he's going silent for a while. That's true. As usual, everyone, if you have thoughts, and I have a feeling there will be some thoughts on this, you might disagree with us completely. You might have some more information that we haven't put in this one podcast because that's impossible. There's a lot of info. So please, please never hesitate to reach out via either the shit show Instagram or shit you should care about via email. Email us at mm. hi at shit you should care about. Yeah, we com. love a good email. Love a good email. Want to hear about it. Where else can they find us, Liv? They can also find us at the shit show squad on Facebook. Shit you should care about. com. Oh, we're launching a newsletter. So you should go to our Instagram and hit the newsletter highlight and sign the fuck up. Fuck yes. I'm so excited. Um, Please, please, please leave us a rating, leave us a review if it's nice, and keep sharing these episodes with your friends, because this one especially is important, and I don't think enough people are talking about it on mic. Maybe they're scared, and maybe we're about to get fucked over by the machine. Well, maybe we are. Maybe the machine will swallow us up, but who bloody knows? We might be eating our words, eh? Bring it on. Anyway, everyone, as usual, we love ya, and we will hopefully see you next week. Lots of love, everyone. Bye! 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.